This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, June 19th, 2018. And first, I want to say I hope every father out there had a very awesome Father's Day, which just occurred this past Sunday. Uh, I spent most of my Father's Day alone and resting and relaxing. Uh, my son had been away at my parents' house since school got out. He came back the Saturday before Father's Day. We got a chance to go to the movies and then it was off to his mother's house for the rest of the summer on Sunday. So I only saw him for a brief bit Saturday and then Sunday uh, morning when I got him off to his mom's house in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, but, you know, just because he wasn't there with me physically doesn't mean we weren't there spiritually. Of course, he told me Happy Father's Day. My daughter called me to tell me and wish me a Happy Father's Day. I'm still blessed to have my father in my life. So, of course, I reached out and I talked to him. And one of the things I told him was I wanted to thank him for everything he has done, because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am today. I told him I never went hungry. I never went homeless. I had everything I needed, even though it wasn't what I wanted. I had everything I needed growing up. And, you know, he said, well, I. I haven't been perfect. And I said, well, let me stop you right there. You were perfect for me because you were my dad and you did exactly what I think you needed to do. So I, I want to thank my dad on this form for making me the man that I am. I know if it wasn't for him, I would not have the work ethic that I have right now. I wouldn't have a lot of things that I have right now if it wasn't for my dad. And I'm so proud I could actually say I followed in his footsteps when I joined the Army. Now, as I mentioned, my son is in Nashville right now for the rest of the summer. And that actually made me think of something. It sparked a memory. Uh, several months ago on this show, I talked about an officer that I knew personally from my days of Nashville police that was killed in the line of duty. Officer Eric Muma, who was drowned uh, back in 2017, uh, helping someone that was suicidal. Well, uh, just a few days ago last week, the individual that was involved in that, Judy Glisson, uh, took a plea deal. And I don't know exactly how I feel about this plea deal. And I want to read something from the AP, the Associated Press. A woman charged in the death of a Tennessee police officer who tried to help her has taken a plea deal. News outlets report 42-year-old Judy Glisson on Tuesday, pleaded guilty to vehicular homicide by intoxication in the 2017 death of Metro Nashville police officer Eric Muma. Under her plea deal, she must serve at least 30% of her 12-year sentence and she'll be barred from driving for 10 years. Muma and other officers were called to help reportedly suicidal glisten in her car on a boat ramp. Police said Muma was pulled into the frigid water with Glisson's vehicle when she shifted from park. His body was found hours later. Prosecutor Kyle Anderson said Glisson didn't intend to hurt anyone, which factored into the plea deal. 
Well, I got mixed emotions about this whole thing. Again, I, I knew Eric personally. I, I won't lie and say we were the best of friends, but I knew him and he was a brother, a brother in blue. Now, when I look at this and, and it says she must serve at least 30% of her 12-year sentence. When I hear the word at least, to me, it seems like something that should be a lot. They have to serve at least this much. Ooh, that sounds like a lot. But I'm not a mathematician. But if my math is right, 30% of 12 is only about 3.5, 3.6. So out of the 12-year deal, 12-year sentence, she only has to serve three and a half years. And then she is eligible to get out. Oh, and ooh, she can't drive for 10 years. Well, I know plenty of people I've arrested hundreds of times that don't have a license, that aren't licensed to drive, but they do it every day. And I know Kyle Anderson, he was a former Nashville police officer. He actually taught law while I was in the academy. I know Kyle, and I, I, I guess he's just doing his job as a prosecutor, and I understand he has to follow the law, but... At the same time, I'm kind of upset with Kyle that he went with the plea deal that only gives her three and a half years to serve for taking the life of Eric. Yeah, granted, when she woke up that morning, she didn't say, I'm going to go out and kill a police officer, more specifically, Eric Muma. But her actions caused the death of Eric. He was in freezing water for hours, which means he probably died within Two or three minutes, but then his body was in freezing water for hours, and she only gets three and a half years. I don't. I, I, I I'm I'm having a hard time comprehending that how she got off so easy. Now, am I saying she deserved life in prison? I don't know. Again, I got mixed emotions, but I think if you're going to get a 12 year sentence for that, you should get. To have to serve 100% of your time. 12 years, you should serve 12 years. But to say you only have to serve 30%, three and a half years, to me is a slap in the face to Eric, to his family, to the little girl he was raising out as his own, to his parents, and to the entire Nashville Police Department to say, yeah, her recklessness caused your loss of a fellow officer, but she's only going to have to serve three and a half years. I still personally think that the original charge should have stood, which was aggravated vehicular homicide. Now, granted, she was twice the legal limit of uh, being under the influence, but the officer that was with Eric, Trent Craig, I don't know him personally, uh, says that he had a conversation with this individual when he and Eric were at the bottom of the boat ramp trying to talk her out of it. And she was coherent enough to ask certain questions like what would happen if I drove my car off the, the, the side of this ramp into the water? And Craig said, well, we would have to attempt to rescue you. That is our job as police officers. And then she puts her foot on a brake, puts the car in drive, revs the engine. And guess what Eric did? He attempted to save her, he lost his life. So the whole vehicular homicide by intoxication, yes, she was intoxicated, but she was coherent 
and knowing exactly what she was doing because that's what the officer testified to. And I think if the original charge would have stuck, I don't know why she took the plea deal. I don't know what was the workings between her and the prosecutor and the defense. I don't know. But I think those charges, that original charge, aggravated vehicular homicide should have stuck. And I assure you she would be doing more time than just three and a half years. Now, let's take the police aspect out of this and just think to yourself, if it was your family member, whether they were a police officer, firefighter, gas station clerk, trash man, janitor, circus clown, whatever they were, if your loved one was killed because they were attempting to help someone else that was coherent enough to know what they were doing, and that person only has to do three years, although they're responsible for the death of your loved one, how exactly would you feel? It would hurt. It'd probably piss you off. It'd probably give you thoughts of doing things you shouldn't do. I'm sure that's how Eric, Eric's family feels right now after this plea deal in a courtroom in Davidson County, Nashville, Tennessee. I guarantee in three years, Eric's family will still be hurt. I'm going to switch gears because, again, that's a touchy subject. For me to have to talk about someone I know personally that was killed in the line of duty. I'm going to switch gears and I'm going to take it out to uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And uh, there's been an uproar again of uh, claim of racial profiling by police and, uh, you know, just uh, having the police being called simply because uh, you're you're black. And this video uh, that was posted by a woman named Tamara Earl on her Facebook. Uh, it's a four-minute video, and it had 105,000 views, 3,800 shares, 750 reactions, most of those about the racism that they experienced at this Waffle House and how these white police officers were wrong, and the same narrative we always hear. So the background is police show up to a Waffle House, because the employees called the police. Hence, that's why the police showed up. And again, you don't get to pick and choose to say, oh, send a black officer because it's a black suspect. Or don't send the police because it's a black individual. All right. So the background is there was a dispute over the bill. These two uh, individuals, Tamara Earl and her boyfriend, uh, Trying to remember his name offhand. Uh, something Copeland. It'll come to me here in a second. But uh, they didn't want to pay the bill. So Donald Copeland, that's the name. They didn't want to pay the bill. So police show up. Duh. So, of course, she starts the video after things have escalated. So in the interest of interest of transparency by the Fort Walton Beach Police Department, the police chief released the 22-minute body camera. So I'm going to play you a short bit of audio, and then I'm going to talk about what they said on their video versus the Facebook video versus what really happened. Come here. Yeah, you are. 
Come here. Come on. Oh, I'm going to put my hands on you. Get out of here. You want any trespass? No, no, no. He's going to come off the bench, but I'm going to go off the bench. You want any trespass? Do you want him gone? We're leaving, but we just have to get there. Shane, step it up. We ordered our food. We went on one hundred dollars and went on her charges right. We were trying to get her to fix the receipt. She walked up and called you instead of fixing the dollar thing on the receipt. So just listen. What okay, well, then he should come out and talk to me like a man. Come on, come on, come on. You don't back up. Back up. Back up. That's fine, because I'm recording too. Now, let me analyze this for a few minutes here. Officer showed up. Now remember, the first step of the use of force continuum is verbal commands. You hear the officer say, come here. You hear the individual say, man, I ain't going nowhere. The officer says, yes, you are. So then the individual says, man, you put your hands on me. It's going to be a problem. Well, then after that, when the officer gives another command, what you don't see in the video or what you don't see in the audio, rather, and you could look up the body cam footage, it's online. What you don't see is, but you can hear the officer say, hey, man, back up, at which time he pulls out his taser because the individual in this situation, Donald Copeland, approaches the officer in a very aggressive manner. Now, take the affliction in his voice, take the officer's statement of, hey, man, back up, and just imagine If someone is already yelling at you and someone is already saying, man, if you put your hands on me, it's going to be a problem. So when they step to you aggressively, you're probably thinking to yourself, they're not here to have a group hug. Right. So the officer pulls out his taser. He didn't pull out his gun, although I'll get to that in a second. He pulls out his taser because he feels a threat based on the individual's Actions based on Donald Copeland's actions, his attitude, his body language, his aggressive movements toward the officer. And then this is when the girlfriend pulls out the cell phone and starts recording. Now, the first thing she says while she starts recording is he pulled out his gun for no reason. Now, this is after. A, it was a taser, but this is after the officer had reholstered his taser because Donald Copeland moved away back into the Waffle House. So he had reholstered his taser, but in the video, the girlfriend says he pulled out his gun for no reason. I'm just standing here, but you can hear the officer say, oh, it's being recorded too, and what does Donald Copeland say, I don't care. I'm not scared of you. So again, the officer probably thinks this guy will likely fight me. He's told me if I put my hands on him, it's going to be a problem. He approached me in in an aggressive manner and he's told me he's not scared of me. So 
This goes on. They go outside. Eventually, he comes outside. The officer tries to explain, hey, you have to pay your bill. Donald Copeland is still irate about $2.50 for some orange juice. This story gets better as it goes along. Trust me. $2.50 for some orange juice. So he's placed in handcuffs for theft because there was food. The food was delivered to them, and he argued about a bill. So when you don't pay the bill, whether you agree with it or not, that is theft of services in just about all 50 states. That's what the law says. So as this goes along, he's handcuffed. The officer is attempting to pat him down. He's starting to pull away from the officer. The officer uses the amount of force necessary to restrain him, pushing him on the car. So again, on the video, Look how he's pushing him. They didn't have to push him like that. He's not doing anything. Now, granted, he's already said, if you put your hands on me, it's going to be a problem. I'm not scared of you. He's approached the officer in a threatening manner, but he's not doing anything. So he's placed in the car after he's patted down because police don't put someone in the car unless they know they don't have a weapon, yada, yada, yada. So he's placed in the car and then they start Trying to talk to the girlfriend who's recording this. Ma'am, will you just go pay the bill? We're not paying the bill. It was about $2.50 worth of orange juice. We're not paying the bill. Okay, then guess what happens to the girlfriend? She gets placed in handcuffs. And she is so worried about the police officer taking her phone because it's going to interrupt her video that she later posted on social media. So I'm sure when she posted it on social media, it's only about four minutes. She probably made some comment that says she was treated wrong after the video, after they illegally took her phone. Well, again, the officer used the very first step in the use of force continuum, verbal commands. He actually gave them every opportunity. All you got to do is pay your bill. You can hear that in this 22-minute body cam video. All you got to do is pay your bill. Whether you want to argue about $2.50 for orange juice or not, fact is you have to pay your bill. And let's be honest, $2.50 is a very small portion of a bill. And you know what else is small? The shipping and handling that you would pay to order BlueChew.com. Hey, guys, this is specifically for you bluechew.com blue like the color it brings you the first chewable with the same fda approved active ingredients as viagra and cialis so you know they work you can take them anytime day or night even at the waffle house on a full stomach and since they're chewable they work twice as fast as a pill so you're ready whenever an opportunity arises blue chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, none of that awkward feeling. They're made right here in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use the promo code BTB, again, just pay 5 
$1,000 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, like the color, promo code B-T-B, and try it absolutely free, guys. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them so much for sponsoring this podcast. All right, so back to the cell phone cops there at Fort Walton Beach at the Waffle House. So this goes on for about 20 minutes. Uh, police ask again. They ask Mr. Copeland and his girlfriend, hey, do you want to pay the bill? She finally says, yes, we'll pay the $27.10 bill or whatever it was, $27.50, because they were arguing, again, over $2.50 orange juice. And we all know when you go to a restaurant, A, you don't get refills on orange juice, and B, it's one of the most expensive drinks on the menu. So if you know that going in, just don't order the orange juice. So anyway, again, remember how I said police search because they don't want weapons in the car, so they emptied out Donald Copeland's pockets and on the trunk of the car because police captured on body cam video. He has about two to three thousand dollars of cash on his person because I counted a lot of 20s and there were some hundreds in there. Two or three thousand dollars on his person. But yet he wants to argue with the employees about the bill. And then when police arrive and give him the opportunity to pay the bill and just leave without incident, he wants to act ignorant and then when police go to protect themselves or defend themselves because of his ignorant actions in approaching him aggressively then the cell phone comes out and then it's all about race it's not about copeland's actions it's not about the fact that he didn't pay the bill and it's not about the fact that he told the officer i'm not leaving and it's not about the fact that he told the officer if you put your hands on me it's going to be a problem And it's not about the fact that he told the officer, man, I'm not afraid of you. It's not about any of that. It's about that these officers that responded were racist. And it was about that. Here we go again. People calling the police on black people for absolutely no reason. Well, in the perfect world of viral videos on Facebook, that's all fine and good. But in reality... As I've said time and time again, crime brings police, not color. So I'm going to flip it. If the two white males that were seated at the table that you can see on the body cam video that were eating their food, drinking their orange juice or whatever they were drinking that was added to their bill, by the way, if they had done the same thing, guess what? The police would have been called. Or... I'll flip it again. Had police arrived because one of the workers told Copeland they were going to call the police. And his response was, call the fucking police. I don't care. Well, guess what? I told you I'm going to call the police. You said call the police. You don't care. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to call the police. So the police show up. Here's how this would have went. Had they just done what they were supposed to do? Hey, sir, they want you to pay the bill or I got to charge you with theft. This is what the officer said. If you don't pay the bill, it's theft. Why is it theft? Because you didn't pay the bill. 
Well, explain to me why the bill is $2.50. It's not the police officer's job to explain to you why the bill is $2.50. He doesn't set the menu prices for the Waffle House. He just enforces the law. So the way that could have gone down way easier where there wouldn't have been this viral video with 150,000 watches and 3,000 shares and 750 comments and all of this stuff, the way it could have been resolved is take the two or $3,000 that you had on your person, reach down in there, get a $20 bill and a $10 bill because the bill was like $27.50. You get a 20, a 10, and 50 cents. You leave the tip with the change and you exit the establishment. That's it. That's it. But instead, Donald Copeland and his girlfriend wanted to make themselves victims. They wanted to make themselves fake victims over something they did, but they wanted to make themselves victims of the narrative of policing in America. They wanted to go out and have this video. Oh, get the phone out, babe. Get the phone out. Oh, he didn't have to pull his gun. And I guarantee I haven't looked at her Facebook. I don't care to look at her Facebook, but I guarantee there's people in there. Oh, he pulled the gun. Oh, F that. F that. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's racist. Blah, 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 blah. But they didn't see everything. They didn't see everything. But yet 3,800 shares. 750 reactions. 1,005 views. 1,005 views. So that means 1,005 people watch this and they probably, more than likely, at least 99% of them, took it at face value that that's exactly what happened. That this cop showed up, this white cop showed up, pulled a gun on this unarmed black man. And it was all about race because he didn't do anything at the Waffle House. And we've heard before how unarmed people are not a threat, right? We've heard that time and time again. He was unarmed. He didn't do anything. You know how I know it's a lie that someone being unarmed is not a threat? Look no further than Kansas City, Kansas. Just a few days ago, you may not have heard this story because Again, it doesn't fit mainstream media, but just a few days ago, two, one, two, I'll say it in German, eins, zwei, two deputies were killed, shot and killed, Teresa King and Patrick Rora, this past Friday while transporting a prisoner from court. Now, guess what? The prisoner who was already in jail was unarmed. So that means he overpowered these two deputies, got one of their guns, and he shot and killed them with their own gun. So that means that he had to get really, really close to those two deputies, or at least one to grab the gun, to shoot both, and kill them. So it goes back to the Waffle House incident where the officer pulled his taser, not his gun, as she said in the Facebook video, because her boyfriend, Donald Copeland, was approaching the officer in an aggressive manner. Now, Copeland stands at about 6'4", 
He's about 260. He's a pretty big, intimidating guy. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's probably got a little bit, a little bit of strength to him. So the fact that he was unarmed in that situation really means absolutely, positively, zero to that officer at that exact moment because he saw a threat. The unfortunate part about these two deputies in Kansas City, Kansas, they didn't see the threat. They couldn't react fast enough. They were already at a disadvantage. They're in a small, confined vehicle, or they're getting ready to get in the vehicle. He overpowers them quickly, grabs one of their guns, kills them both. Huh. But he was unarmed. So if he's unarmed, can't be a threat. I'll go one even further. If he was a prisoner, not only was he unarmed, but he was shackled and handcuffed. But he was still enough of a threat to kill two deputies. But if you let certain media outlets tell you, oh, a person that's unarmed is not a threat to police officers. So why did the officer have to pull out his taser? Why did the officer have to use force? Why did the officer have to do this? Well, go ask the families of Teresa King and Patrick Wura, those two deputies who, when they woke up that morning, probably thought they would make it home to their families that night because, oh, they're not out on the street. They're just transporting prisoners that aren't armed, that are shackled, that are handcuffed, but yet an unarmed, shackled prisoner was enough of a threat to kill two law enforcement officials. Huh. But yeah, someone that's unarmed is not a threat. And white people, white police officers just pull their guns, their tasers out for absolutely no reason. Huh. And with that, it's time for my 10-7 segment. And I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, honor the two deputies that lost their lives transporting this prisoner uh, in Kansas City, Kansas, Teresa King and Patrick Aurora. Uh, the shooting took place June 15th. Uh, Teresa King actually died in the early morning hours of June 16th. Deputy Sheriff Teresa King and Deputy Sheriff Patrick Aurora were shot and killed as they transported a prisoner to the County Correction and Court Services Building at the 807th Street at approximately 11.15 a.m. They were unloading the prisoner from the transport van in the facility's exterior Sally Port when the man attacked them. He was able to disarm one of the deputies and shot them both. Despite being mortally wounded, one of the deputies was able to return fire and wounded the subject. Deputy King was transported to a local hospital where she passed away shortly after midnight. She had served with the county sheriff's office for 13 years. She is survived by her three children. She is 44 years old. And Patrick Rora was 35 years old. And he had served with the sheriff's department for seven years. So goes back to what I said. 
unarmed, not a threat. <laughs> if you believe that, Santa Claus does exist. I want to thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you. I love you. And I will see you right here, same time, same station, RadioInfluence.com, next week. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. For those of you that like to go out and eat and investigate some different stuff, I've anything that I ever see on a menu that's different or doesn't make sense to me, I'm the kind of person I will order it right away. And I don't know if I've been to Sonic twice in my whole life. They look like they have some good tater tots. They look like they have some good hot dogs and everything. But uh, Sonic came out with the Sonic pickle juice slushy. Now, as an athlete, there was quite often where we had pickle juice on the sideline. And pickle juice is actually really good uh, to eliminate cramps and to keep yourself hydrated. And pickles are delicious. You know, not many people that sit there and chug down the juice, but um, it will be beneficial if you're you're going through any athletic endeavors. So Sonic's coming out with a pickle juice slushy. At first, it sounded like the craziest thing in the world, and now it has me kind of curious. I don't know if it's going to work, but it's one of those things where I think I'm going to have to taste it to say it doesn't work because I do like pickle juice. Slushies are tremendous. It's hot outside in Florida. Uh, I do need to say saturated and hydrated somehow. So it just all makes sense to me. You can find Ian Beckles Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com. 